0: Good to be here. Good to be here. You know, it's good to be here because the Spirit of God is here. And when the Spirit of God is here and in you and in me, there's powerful things that happen. We come here believing, anticipating in prayer that God is moving and changing things in you every single Sunday. Yes, God moves every single day, but on Sunday there's something special, something unique that happens. What is that? That's you and I gather together. Or two or three, and there's a whole lot more than two or three. Great things happen. Why? Because God's name is written on your heart and my heart, and Satan can't stand it when we come together. We are fighting back spiritual forces. We are fighting for your family together. We are fighting for you together. Those situations at work, we're fighting together. We are standing in the gap together. We are in in this together with your marriage. We are in this together with your children. We are in this together as a body of believers that believe in the strongholds of Satan that are broken every time that we come together in prayer and agreement saying, Jesus Christ is our Lord and King and Satan has no victory, none whatsoever. This is the truth. This is the reality. This is the fact that when we come together, we are powerful. How many of you have a better week when you're here at church on Sunday? Right? And when we miss it, we miss out on that power. There's a reality there that's a spiritual battle that's being won at the beginning of the week. And when you choose to be here on Sunday, the spiritual battle has already begun and the victory is already yours throughout the week. That's why it's so important for you to be at church. It's important for you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Every possible way, God's Spirit breathes into you and I together. We become a dynamic, powerful force that Satan cannot stop. Amen. Wow. Let's pray. God, you speak, you move today. Holy Spirit, you convict. Let it be your words that ring out the truth today in Jesus' name. We said together, amen. Amen. Are you enjoying the series Deal With It? The series of Deal With It has uh, been fun, but challenging. I love the challenges of Deal With It. Katie had already mentioned that today we are talking about dealing with the attitude of the aspect of the emotion of fear. There is many emotions that we tend to uh, uh, let take control of us, and we're taking control back. God gave us a spirit of control. That's the fruit of the spirit, a spirit of self-control. And our human emotions can sometimes be out of control, which really hijacks the control of the spirit. And we have to be in submission and surrender to God. And that's when we are in control and we surrender. It's opposite of what the world says and how it thinks and operates, right? We surrender and that's how we gain control. And when we surrender over to God, all the things that used to control us begin to fade away. So when we deal with it, we are not dealing with our own strength. We are dealing with it with God's strength living inside of us. And we apply God's word so that he strengthens us and roots inside of us the deeply rooted word of God so that we won't depart from it and that we are able to be... People of sound mind, self-control, we are strong, we are courageous, not on our own strength, but on His strength. Amen? It is through His Spirit that we win battles. And there's a battle in your mind, there's a battle in your, mind, in your heart, and there's a, there's a battle wrestling inside your soul. There are deep things that are, that are in your past that you've had to wrestle with, that God is delivering and, and opening up and, and kind of tilling up the soil that sometimes in our heart becomes hardened towards that. So dealing with it is really a difficult issue, but it's a liberating, free uh, topic for us to deal with us personally, our heart, our thoughts, all of it together. And we have to deal with the emotion and the spirit of fear. It's a trap to have unhealthy fear. And I want to start off with saying, not all fear is bad. Not all fear is bad. Now, there is such a thing as healthy fear. And we see that God says it's healthy for us to fear him. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you want to be wise, we better be fearing God. And now, I think that there's a difference between fearing and respecting him. Now, I think most people say it's okay to respect God. That's the fear. I think we're kind of diminishing the aspect of what that really means. Well, yes, it is respect. It's deep respect. I almost like the, the sea. You need to have a fear of the sea and the waves and the crushing weight and the power of the sea and respect it. If you don't, you're, you're, you're going to be in trouble if you're out on a boat. But I think it's even more than that. I think that there is a healthy dose of fear of who God is. And honestly, churches, I do believe in the stage or the, or the pulpit has left out some of this fear aspect of who God is and how holy he is and the being in the presence of God. When we say, God, well, I want to be in the presence of you. Do we have in mind of exactly what we are asking? I mean, we're talking about a powerful, righteous, holy God. And who are we to share space with God. And if we really just kind of take a look at that and we think about who we are and who God is, it should cause us to tremble just a little bit because we know we shouldn't even be allowed to be, have an invitation to spend time with God. Yet, He has given us that chance again and again through His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness. And all of that power and authority is holding in His hands, not yours and so that should cause us to fear. Why? And I think this is missing in churches too, is the aspect of H-E double hockey sticks. That bad word that we don't like to talk about or preach about in hell. And the reality, it's a reality. It's not some sort of metaphor. It's not an allegory. It's a reality. It is a place that people will go and have gone. And it is a place that we do not want to go. And we're here because Jesus has rescued us from that lake of fire and pastors and preachers don't want to preach about the lake of fire we don't want to say turn or burn right and let's be honest you really don't want me to preach about that either because what if we bring somebody to church and we talk about the topic of hell i mean it's just scary for us to think about but it's true it is scary It should be scary. We should fear it because that's a healthy dose that motivates us to a a righteous God. And that gives us a healthy dose of what we have been saved from. I talked with a person who said, Yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior, but I don't believe in hell. What on earth did Jesus come and die for if there's no hell? It would be pointless. He has rescued you, he has saved you, he has taken you out of the pit, and he has given you free entrance into heaven by his grace, by his authority, by his power. And just thinking about that, it's all upon him. Your salvation rests solely upon him, should cause us to tremble. So I think that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the beginning of wisdom, really. Is it not? This is, this is the starting point. If we don't have a concept of the healthy dose of what, who God is, what our uh, capability of humans is, where, where we are destined to, if God didn't step in and intervene in our lives, it would be a scary thing, and it is a scary thought. But God has rescued us, and He has given us His saving power through His Son, Jesus, and we fear Him, and because He is all-powerful, we uh, submit to Him, And we have the healthy dose of the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 19, the fear of the Lord leads to life. I want you to say that with me. Leads to life. When we have a healthy perspective of who God is, and the life that He provides for us, and the destruction, and the destructive patterns, and the end result without Him, when we fear God and who He is, and we embrace his power and authority over his life, it leads us to his life and his son who has been given over for us. It leads to life and whoever has it rests. Do you want rest in your life? Rest in the fear of the Lord. This is what he's saying. Rest in knowing that there is an outcome that you don't want to have. But you can find rest in God knowing that he has your soul in his hands. And his hands are good. And in his hands you have safety. In his hands, in his hands alone you have been rescued. And so we find rest in God. Because he will not be visited by harm. And we're talking about spiritual harm. And destruction. So not all fear is unhealthy. It is healthy for us to fear the Lord. It is biblical. It's beginning of wisdom. It's where we have understanding. It's how we know what we've been saved from. It's how we know who we are. And who God is. It's very, very healthy to have healthy fear. But today we're not talking about healthy fear. We are talking about unhealthy fear. A fear that grips a hold of people's minds and hearts and debilitates them from operating a healthy, faith-filled life. This is what we're talking about having to deal with and some of us are going to have to deal with this today even though we don't want to. It's good for us. The Bible talks about not giving in to unrighteous fear. and That is a thing. Unrighteous fear and anything that is unrighteous is sinful. So we can let our our fear become sinful. Now, being terrified of being afraid is not sinful unless we surrender to that and we let that be the Lord of our life. You see, we need to make sure we know who we are bowing down to and who we are giving permission to live in our hearts. That's what we need to deal with today. Who are we giving permission to? And allowing to reign over our thoughts and over our heart and giving our future to. Which Lord? Lord of fear or fearing the Lord? Isaiah 41.10, fear not. For I am with you, do not be dismayed. You see, fear turns sinful when we let it terrify us and be dismayed or we let worry and anxiety capture us. He says, don't do that. Know that I'm your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Timothy, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. This is unhealthy fear. But of a power of love and self-control. We are talking about two different fears. We're talking about a righteous fear and an unrighteous fear. God is dealing with the unholy fear in our lives. Don't do it. Don't let it have permission. Don't live with it. Don't be dismayed. Don't be terrified. Don't let it rule over you. Don't let fear take control of your heart and your life and your future. There's fears, and all of us face fears. And I can ask for I raise a hands, but all of us would raise our hands with some sort of fear in our life. Some of them are irrational. Some of them are irrational. I have talked about Katie's irrational fear of moths. But to her, it's very rational. Those fluttery, dusty creatures are the spawn of Satan. And every single one of them need to be wiped out from the planet of the earth. Satan came and birthed out a bunch of moths. It's terrible. Even just that image that I just said makes her shudder. Now, to us, that's irrational. But to her, it's rational. I have a fear that is irrational. Let me rephrase that. I have a fear that's rational... How many of you like fingernails on a chalkboard? Oh, okay. I have something that's similar to that, but it's not. It's totally bizarre. I'm going to let you in. And I was afraid to tell this to you because you're going to look at me with some weird eyes. But I'm going to tell you anyways. I'm getting over my fear. So um, ever since I can remember as a kid my My fingers would get pruny, you know like if you have to take a bath or or shower be in the pool your your fingers get pruny, and then after that it, touching something soft it just makes me cringe like nails on a chalkboard it just makes me feel so anxious inside i can't explain it it's weird and it, it's just bizarre and i i can't touch anything And I'm putting on my socks as a kid with my knuckles and you know trying to to dry out knuckles you know it it's listen. I know what you're thinking, and it's, it's not a spiritual gift, okay? <laughs> thinking, oh, this man needs extensive counseling. There's rational fears. There's irrational fears. But to us, every fear is rational because we see it as something that is settled inside of here, and we don't know how to deal with it. And God wants us to deal with the rational and irrational fear. There's things that have crippled us in our thought process, in our minds of living day to day with confidence that you have and should have in Christ Jesus. But because of this, it is crept into your faith or your walk with Jesus. Taking on those fears in our life, we have fear of crowds or claustrophobic. Now, that could be irrational to you or but it's totally rational to me it could be something that you find comfort in to the the tight spaces and and that just as it brings comfort so you don't understand how how that that tight space makes someone just start to gasp for for air there's irrational fears or rational fears that 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 that, that dominate our thinking controls your life and you're consumed with fear maybe it's just Talking on your cell phone while it's plugged in and the battery charger is in and you're thinking, oh man, I read this story online about how the battery uh, charger lit the phone on fire and caught someone's hair, someone's hair on fire. You know, you, you have a, a rational fear of that, but in your mind it's, it's rational. And we face these fears daily and we can't avoid them at times. And it's not something silly like this, but they're actual huge obstacles in your life. And God wants to deal with the the rational fear that you have in your mind about facing rejection. Some of you today are here today and you are fearful about rejection. You'll do anything and you'll go out of your way so that you're not rejected. And it's kept you from meaningful relationships. It's kept you from being involved in church because you're thinking, what if they don't like me? What if I get rejected? I just can't take that. What if they find out who I really am? I can't face that kind of rejection. If I let myself out and they see who I really am, they're going to reject me. I can't take that. Some of us have been attending church for years, but we're still not trusting God in the aspect of letting this go. Others have a fear of failure, and so we're stuck in this one area of our life. Fear of trying something new or something great. You know it's on the other side, but you're happy where you're, you're, you're at because you know at least you won't fail. And you become a hostage to your fear. Some of us are afraid of sickness and disease and the idea of uttering cancer is just so fearful because you knew someone very close to you who died of it. Now, if you just are afraid of it, then you won't get it. And so you live in a, a constant state of fear at night where you lay awake worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's robbed the joy of tomorrow because you're living in fear of tomorrow before it even began. And some of us are are afraid of other people's negative opinions. And as a result, you become highly skeptical and suspicious of people. Thinking that they're thinking the worst of you. When in actuality, they're not. But you begin to place that upon them. You begin to live out that truth, and it destroys your relationship with that person. That person had nothing to do with it, but it's all because of how the fear that you hold inside of you that that person becomes demonized, and now that relationship is severed because of what you think about that other person thinking about you. And you're controlled by fear. Still, others are afraid of transparency. You know the truth. Where your mind goes, but you don't want anyone else to know it. And you're convinced if people knew your habits, they would write you off. If they knew, how could anyone actually believe that you love God? In fact, you believe that so much that you've even questioned that yourself. And so if you're questioning that, how can I even really believe and love God? If my mind goes here and my thoughts go that way, how can I actually love God? And you wrestle with this, and so you wrestle with it, and you're not allowed to let anybody else involved in that because you already think you know the answer based out of fear. And so you become closed off, and you become that person who you said you'd never be. Come to church with that mask on because you're afraid to take it off and let other people see the garbage that we have inside of us and being transparent and being held accountable because we're not sure that we can handle it. Maybe it's a fear of being alone, isolated by yourself, fear of being insignificant, not finding importance or purpose in life, fear of being caught, and so you've put up all these boundaries and you've put up all these protections. You know how to live in that secret life because you're afraid of being caught. And some of us are afraid of intimacy. You don't want to let anybody know the real you because you let someone know the real you before. And you've been hurt. And so now you are guarded by fear of letting someone love who you really are. And it's affecting your relationships don't want to get hurt again it's based off of fear and i may not have named a specific fear but you know what that is and the question i want to ask you today at the very front of this message and dealing with the three facts not points of three facts of biblical defenses and eliminating the unhealthy fear in your life number one we have to identify something before we can surrender you can't surrender something without identifying it I want you to under, uh, underline or identify the fear that you have in your life that you need to get rid of. Because today we are setting this free. We are getting rid of it. We are not going to let it live in your life any longer. And we have to write that down. And if you're afraid to write that down because somebody might see it, that's how you know you need to write it down. Some of you know what that is. Exactly. You just write it down right now. Some of you might take the whole the rest of the time of the discussion and we will be able to write it down. We're going to come back to this and we're going to set people free. Not us, God. We just get to see what God is doing. We get to be a part of what God is doing. We give the opportunity for God to work and people to respond. This is the response to what God is tilling up inside that hard soil of us that we have created in our own lives. Now it's dealing with it and breaking it up, breaking up those dirt clods, making that soil soft for the seeds of God to be planted or rooted inside you. Three facts of destroying fear, unhealthy fear in your life. Fact number one, shift your focus and it will destroy the fear in your life. Shifting your focus will destroy the fear in your life. In Proverbs, it's very clear about what God is speaking to us. Let your eyes look directly forward. Directly forward and gaze be straight before you. It doesn't say look to the right and to the left before you go forward. Don't it doesn't say look forward and then sometimes backwards. No, you look forward. You got to look at what's ahead. Christ Jesus is ahead. What is Christ Jesus? Who is he? What has he done? What has he done for you? What does his name mean for you? What has he saved you from? What does the cross mean? Focus upon the promises of God. Focus on the redemptive work of Jesus. Know where your love is pointed to. Direct your attention there. Do not get sidetracked. Put the blinders on. Know what's in front of you. There is a path that is straight and narrow. And if you look off to the right or to the left, you're going to deviate and follow a wider, broader path that everybody else takes because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to put your focus on you. It's easy to put your focus on the pain and the hurt and the past and the justification of the response of the past to move forward in an unhealthy way. But Jesus says you put your eyes on me and you won't get distracted in following a a path full of pain and hurt that you will continually live down that broad path because most people are traveling down a path of pain and hurt and rejection that is based off of fear. Because they are afraid to look forward and let go of the things of the past. They want to keep moving in a direction that perpetuates a fear-based hurt existence in life. And Jesus said, I have taken your pain I have taken your hurt. I have taken your rejection. I have placed all of that identity, taken off your shoulders, and put the rejection, the hurt, and the pain upon me. And I have set you free from that. And I have carried the burden for that so you don't have to. That is what it means to look straight ahead and look at the goal. And the goal and the prize is running after Jesus on a path that is not always taken by Christians. And it's that sidetrack that will sidetrack your faith. It will sidetrack your confidence. It will sidetrack your belief in God and who He is. It will derail you of what your goal and purpose is. And you will begin to focus on yourself other than your existence to please and bring honor and worship God. It does not bring glory and honor to God when we dictate and let the Fear be the rudder in the direction of our life. Shift your focus. Philippians 4.8 Finally. The last thing I want to tell you here. Listen up. This is a wrap up. I need you to hear this, this culmination of what I've been telling you. Brothers, whatever is true, not false, whatever is honorable, not detestable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise to God, this is what you should be thinking upon. These are the things... That you place your thoughts upon. Think about these things. That is placing your mind. Ahead of your emotions. You see sometimes. And most of the time. We get in the trap. Of letting our heart. Dwell upon the things that are not. Praiseworthy. Or commendable. Or honorable. Or lovely. Our heart goes here. And then our mind. Will track the heart. But God says. Put your mind upon the things that I have written about you and what I say about you and the good things that are in front of you and the promises and the blessings that are there and the, the, the love I have for you, the identity I've created for you. You put your mind there first, anything that is praiseworthy in Jesus' name, then your heart will begin to follow. Keep your eyes focused. Shift your focus from the right and to the left to what's in front of you. The polar bear effect. How many of you heard of the polar bear effect? Kelly has, because he was here in the first service. The polar bear effect is from psychologists who have found if if you tell a person not to think about polar bears, don't think about a polar bear, what are you thinking about? Stop thinking about a polar bear. Don't do it. That's your job right now. Stop thinking about a polar bear. Don't think about the white fur. Stop it. Don't think about the black nose. Stop that. The long snout, the huge paws, the iceberg that the the polar bear is floating on. Have you all stopped thinking about the polar bear? See, the more that we give the attention to the wrong thing, the more that we say, "I'm not going to give attention. To that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this." Right? Sometimes we do that. We treat sin in our life. We treat the things in our life that we don't want to give attention to. We say, "I'm not going to do this." And by saying, "I'm not going to do this" over and over, you're actually giving more attention to it, and so you fall into a trap over and over again. And say, "I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this." Well, all you're doing is elevating what you're not going to do. It's just like a kid. If you want him to do, if you want him to do something, tell him not to do it. Don't do it, don't do it. You, even though your intentions are good, your mind is focused on the wrong thing. Shift your focus. When I was in Alaska with my brothers, there was five of us together, and this was the most amazing trip. We were in the fishing in the Kenai River for the red salmon. You had the silver salmon, the pink salmon, the red salmon. We were fishing for these red salmon, the best meat you could get. We brought home 50 pounds of this red salmon meat, and it was delicious. It was freshly caught out of the Kenai River. The river was this icy glacier blue, and above there was a bald eagles chirping. And there was, there was salmon on the, on the river, and the run was incredible. And then the, the snow-peaked mountaintops just faded into this bright, brilliant, dark forest green, teeming with life. It was the beautiful, beautiful scenery. Just exactly what you would think that Alaska should be was the picture that we got to see in front of us. How many of us during that story was thinking about the polar bear? God says I want you to shift your focus and when we put our focus on the right thing who is Jesus Christ the focus that we have placed in our lives that we have magnified those bigger problems begin, begin not to just to fade away they go away because the focus of Jesus in your life becomes bigger and easier to see and when you see Jesus and he comes into focus and he's bigger, the problems begin to be blocked by Jesus. And you can't see the problem. All you see is the remedy and that's Jesus Christ. That's God who has come to stand in the gap between you and that problem. And that problem no longer is seen as a problem or a situation. It has become something that God will use as a tool to strengthen you. And he will... Bless you. Because that is a promise. And as you see Jesus. All you begin to see. Is promises versus problems. Just by shifting the focus. And directing your eyes forward. Not to the right. To, to the left. But seeing who's really in charge. And seeing what exactly. Is in front of you. And who needs to be magnified. It is your God in heaven. Fear and anxiety. Thrive. When we give it our attention, we allow ourselves to imagine the worst. What happens when we don't have our, our, our mind set in front of us? See, God spells it out in front of us. We don't have to imagine who God is, His love and His character for us. But when we get off of that, it's our imagination that begins to run wild. How many of us know people? How many of us ourselves have had our imagination run wild and amuck, Left your life in a muck? mess things up because... Our imagination, rooted in fear, is a nesting ground for chaos. Chaos in your heart, chaos in your mind. How many of us had, had, had something in our mind, and we have expanded this little thing in our mind, uh, right? I, I mean, parents, I mean, I'm getting to that stage right now where my daughter's going to be driving. I know the day's coming where she's going to take the car and go away from the house, and every time that I hear a siren, right, oh no, that's my daughter. Because we can let our imagination create fear inside of our hearts that is not healthy and it will rob us of what God has for us. And worry and anxiety, which is the antonyms for faith, will begin to snowball in your life. And a snowball that is pushed down the mountainside grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Because fear is actually something that will be contagious. Fear is contagious. And it becomes the person who they never wanted to be because of the fear that snowballs and becomes contagious from the mind and the thoughts to the heart to the reaction of the mind and the heart goes into the reaction and action of every person. That becomes the chronic worrier or the person who struggles with anxiety, deeply downrooted, doesn't know how to deal with this because they have allowed their imagination rooted in fear instead of faith snowball into their life and now the evidence is, of that is pouring out inside, outside of their relationships, the workspace, their marriage, the kids, and everything else in their life is becoming a destructive pattern because it's, fear has run amok in the mind and the heart. Fact number two, the more you bow to fear, the scarier things become. It's a reality, it's a fact. When you give the attention to that, the fact is, it's going to get worse Sometimes we think that we just need to have anxiety and worry to take care of. I can just sit down and worry about this and and process and think about all the terrible things. I can just get it out of my system. And some of us, that might feel like a freeing thing, but actually that's a trap. Don't let your mind go there because the more that you let your mind go there, the more that it will become scary. Fear will settle more in your heart. I lived in the Sierra Nevada mountains as a boy, and it was a perfect place to, to grow up. We were surrounded by trees. Lake Almanor was a beautiful lake. We didn't have too many neighbors. The town was kind of spread out. And one of the neighbors that I did have, have was a, a, a kid that was about my age. And we would walk out to the woods. And uh, this is terrible, just so you know. It's terrible. Walk out to the woods a little ways, and I would begin to tell them bear stories Being in the woods, we were afraid of wolves and bears, and so I let my fears project upon him by telling these scary bear stories. And when he wasn't looking, I'd pick up a rock and throw it into the bushes and yell, there's a bear, and take off running. And this kid would take off running right behind me, and then just by the act of running in this created a mindset, this fear that I had placed in him that I was actually living that out, I would hear him scream in fear, which made me think, there's an actual bear chasing after us. And I ran for my life. I had created a scenario because I let my imagination run wild and create fear in me. And in another person. And many times we will do that because fear is contagious and it will spread from the inside to the outside, to other people and to the the surrounding circles that we are involved in. God says, You are not called to do that. You are not called, you are not commanded to spread fear. That is not my purpose. Or my plan. And we need to deal with how we respond to fear. When it comes. When anxiety comes. Those times where fear is unnecessary to react to. It's unhealthy. Many of us have experienced unhealthy imaginative fear. I'll tell a story about my brother Paul. We were watching arachnophobia. This was when we were kids. Arachnophobia came out. You guys remember that? Right? And I say kids. My, my my dad's going to be mad at us for sharing this. But uh, Arachnophobia which is a terrifying movie about spiders. My brother Paul was watching this. And my dad got up at the moment where all the spiders are coming down like this. There's like a thousand of them. Got a little feather and tickled the back of his neck. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Still terrified of it. Still dealing with it. He jumped up slapping his neck, screaming, hooping, hollering, crying. No, not crying. But reacting and responding to a fear that was created through an imagination of something that was there that isn't. Some of us are reacting and responding to a fear that doesn't need to be responding to or acting upon because it isn't there. Where it's living, where you have permitted and invited it into, is in your mind and in your heart. And therefore has become your reality. And you are responding off to something that is in your spirit. That is contrary to the faith and into the conviction of God's spirit. That gives you a confidence. And that confidence flees from you because you are now opened yourself up to a fear. That is not a reality but it has become one to you. Second Timothy, for God gave us a spirit not. I want you to say not. When you read this, you're going to do that. You're just going to say not. We're not going to breeze over the not. 2 Timothy, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control or a sound mind. God, give us a spirit of a sound mind. Give us The spirit of self-control. Jesus, increase my faith. Jesus, give me the confidence that is outside of my fear. Conquer the spirit of fear. Satan is not going to use that as a tool in your life to diminish the work that God has in your life. Let it be something that Satan knows that he is not going to reign in your life through the avenue and the tool of fear to destroy God's plan for you today. Amen? Amen? He didn't give you that spirit of fear. The fear that we experience in life is manufactured by us. It's a plant That we seem to pump out fear in every area of our life. It's a manufacturing plant that is created in our mind and our heart. And it's on that assembly line. And we begin to give it to one, to the next, to the next. And it's like that Lucille Ball edition at the Chocolate Factory. And it gets sped up faster and faster and faster. You can't deal with it. It's too much to handle. And it's everywhere. Because we give it permission to live with us. And it spreads into our emotions. And some of us don't even know why we're anxious or worried. But it's there. And God wants you to know that you cannot afford to live in anxiety and worry anymore. And you have to find rest in God. Know that there is rest in placing fear in who God is and His authority. Placing your fear in God's authority. The other fear will bow down. Satan bows down. In fear of God. We bow down in fear of God. But he lifts you up. And he conquers the enemy. Rest in his authority over you. Find healing in his power over your past. Let it go. Let the fear go. i want to ask the worship team to come forward. Guys, can we sing um, Chains? Joshua 1, nine. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Not some places, but wherever you are, He's going to make you strong. He's going to make you courageous. And He says, I want you to be that. Be it. Become it, live it, be it, live it, believe it, do it. This is you. This is the identity, not of your own strength, but it is in God's strength. Live in the confidence of who God is and his power. There is such thing as a power source that is outside of you and your emotions and how you can handle your thought process. God does that for you and through you. God didn't just tell Joshua to be strong. He gave him reasons why. God says to Joshua, here is why you can be strong and courageous. I have made you a promise and I will always keep my promises. So fact number three is exactly that. God keeps his promises over your life. And you can take that as your own and believe it and say, God's promises are for me. Not just for someone else, but they're mine. And God has spoken that promise over me. And you can speak that promise that you have been given over to the enemy. Not just to yourself, but you you can declare that victory and that promise that Jesus' words, that God's words, do not ever lie. He's not going to tell you a lie when he says, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. That's not a lie. He's not telling you some sort of made up story when he said, I'm going to lift you out of the pit. He's not just giving you fluff when he says. You're mine. You seek me, you will find me. It's a promise that when you seek wisdom. He will give it to him who asks of him, and he gives it liberally. It's a promise when your finances need a miracle. And we could say, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's a promise that he will supply every need that you have. It's a promise that he will supply every need. Every need when you're grieving that God promises the spirit of the lord will comfort you when you're mourning when you're troubled God promises a peace that cannot be understood it's a promise that he will place his spirit inside of you and give you things that are unseen but it will be visible to the outside world it's his power And the power is this. It's the ability of the Holy Spirit. It's your ability to accomplish something outside of your spirit because you're working and operating out of the ability of God's spirit that enables you to do things that are outside of your reasoning, your comprehension, your strength. It is the ability. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. His ability working inside of you, making it capable for you to accomplish a greater work. This is a promise. I want us to stand together. And I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to think about that fear that you wrote down. If you didn't write it, I'll give you permission to write it down right now. But that fear that you wrote down on that paper, we're going to release that today. We're going to release it. You're not going to be controlled by it. It's not gonna, you're not going to give it any more attention. It's not going to control you or you're not going to give it any more power. It's going away today. Here's the response to the fear that you wrote down. And I want to speak to you today. I want this to settle into your hearts as God is resting His presence in you. He's speaking to you. I'm still using you. I haven't forgotten you. You're still mine. I do have plans for you. I do. What you're facing, I am making you stronger now. Trust. Trust. I'm providing for you now, for tomorrow. Though you may not see it, I am protecting you. I am with you. And I'm going to reiterate this one for that person who needs to hear this. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And I'm found when you seek me. I do hear you when you call upon me. When you study my word, you will find me there. You do not have to be controlled by fear because your fear cowers at my name. One of the greatest feelings in life is realizing that we control our fear as we surrender it over to God. Give God your focus, He'll give you back control because He keeps His promises. I want us to pray. And we're going to close with this song of declaration. We have eight minutes left. Plenty of time to sing and praise to God. A victory chant over to Jesus. Specifically those who feel like God is speaking to them right now. I want you to raise your hand. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, God sees you. Yes, God knew where you were at before you even walked through the door. And his eyes were on you. He saw you in that chair. Yes, Yes, he knows the pain, he knows the hurt, and he is delivering you at this very moment. He is speaking to your mind clearly, specific words to your heart. Yes, he sees where you stand, and he sees that you're pointing, praise to God. Yes, in the back, he sees a surrender and a declaration of over who he is in your life. Yes, God bless you, a comfort that you have never experienced before. Yes, a release. Over to Him. Yes, in the back. Yes, in the back. Yes. He is bringing you to a new place and a new position in your heart and in your mind. He is making something new in an area that, that, that Satan has been digging up over and over and made something old. But God is restoring you today. This prayer is for you. This is for you. God, I ask for your blessings to be abundant upon those who have taken the step forward. Is to release anxiety, worry over to you as they shift their focus today as a springboard. As a platform of something new that you are creating in them today. A new set of perspectives. New set of eyes to see the picture of you in the middle of this. Of your glory. Their heart transformed into shouting back praise instead of problems. Today is a new day where words will edify and not destroy. Today where their heart is settled and rooted in faith. And promise and comfort in the name of Jesus. Comfort that there hasn't been before, but a new comfort in their heart. Jesus, break the chains of fear in the name of Jesus. Break the chains of anxiety in the name of Jesus. Break the chains of doubt. Break the chains of destructive self-reflection. Break the chains of... Of negativity. Break the chains. Of fear. For tomorrow. Of fear of who they are. Let them see. Themselves. As you see them as loved. Cherished. Redeemed. Full of promise. Full of hope. Because that's who you are. And we keep our focus on that. In Jesus name. We release our lives to you. We give you the fear. You take it all. Do the miracle. In Jesus' name we are set free. In Jesus' name we say together, Amen. Let's sing a song of victory.